Good morning, saints. Good to see everybody. We're going to jump right into the part three of the study of Hebrews. As we said before, Hebrews is, is such an awesome, awesome, awesome letter. Um, it's, it's written primarily to the Hebrew, to the Jew, but it's obviously awesome for Gentiles, all of us. But it's really geared to um, release the Jew from um, their, their, if you want to say it this way, their obsession with law and works. And even their, uh, not obsession, but their almost worship of angels and uh, Moses and these, the book of Hebrews blasts all of this and says, look, something amazing has come. Even the prophets said this was going to happen. Um, it's not about angels. It's not about Moses. It's not about the law. It's not about works. The Son has come. God has come to us in His Son. And He has done something so awesome that heaven itself is now here. The Holy of Holies is now open. That which the Holy Spirit said could not be entered into while the first tabernacle stood is now wide open with a veil that has been torn by the hands of God himself from top to bottom. And what God has torn asunder, let no man try to sew back up. He has done it. He has brought heaven to us. This is what it means when it says we have now access into the Holy of Holies. That cube, the Holy of Holies was a perfect cube, a picture of heaven itself. That is the message that Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is now come. It is within reach. It is at hand. Change your mind. God is coming to you. You're not having to get to God. We could never go to God, but he was coming to us. And now, as Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven does not come like men think, for it shall become or come within you. It shall be in you, a realm, a realm. So what am I saying when I talk about this into the holy of holies? What am I saying when, when Hebrew says we can enter boldly now by the blood of Jesus into the holy of holies? What am I saying there? I'm saying, saints, that this letter of Hebrews contains the keys to unlock the portal, the door, which is Christ, to another reality. It's geared primarily to the Jew and to the Hebrew, but it's rich for all to see and to really get a grip grip on. It is another reality. It is a parallel universe. It is invisible, yet now it has come within. We truly have been translated from the kingdom of this realm into the kingdom of the beloved Son. Where He is, so are you. You are where He is. As He is, so are we in this world. This is an awesome awesome reality. And that's why you see in the letter to the Hebrews, he says, we have not come to the mountain that can be touched, full of fear and dread. This place has no fear and no dread, for you have come to a different mountain, even Mount Zion, the invisible reality, those who are the firstborn, the new Jerusalem. This is a reality that is now within everyone who understands and believes him. It actually not just understands, but just believes. 
And we understand as we grow, as the mind is renewed to this reality. So what we're saying Hebrews is talking about, the letter to the Hebrews is so awesome. It's saying that the, the, the key that is hidden, and not even hidden, but in this letter, is the one work of the Son who gave himself for all sin, for all time, for all people, that the veil could be ripped so that God himself could come within us, that we might be where he is. You see, joined to him means you are where he is. Where he is is in the realm of heaven. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. If you are seated with him in heavenly places, you are in his kingdom, in his realm. That realm is in you because you're in him and he's in you. So what happens, saints, this realm, this reality, what is it? What what am I saying? I'm saying that every day we can live within here. In the world, we shall have trouble. In the world, we shall have tribulation. In the world, we shall have people knocking us down and uh, lying about us and persecuting us and whatever. But Jesus said, you can be of good cheer because I've overcome this world. I've brought you to another world, my world. And that world is in you now. And I am in you. And nothing shall separate you from my love. So in his world, what happens? What is his world all about? His world, in his world, God is my papa. So God is my papa now in this world. I'm no longer of this world, he said, but in it. Of, not of it, but in it. For I'm no longer from below, but from above. Isn't that awesome? See, this whole thing, the letter of the Hebrews, is an awesome key to open this portal, this door, which is Christ. Jesus said, I am the door. Uh, Paul was, was speaking profound words when he said, you have now, now, now been translated. Not when your body dies and you go to heaven. Now, now been translated from the kingdom of this realm into the kingdom of the beloved son. And in that kingdom of the beloved son, you are beloved as the son is beloved. John 17, Father, that they may know that you love them as you love me. It's awesome. I mean, you actually get beside yourself. Because you really are living in a parallel universe. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is, is a territory. It's a realm. It's a country. It's a heavenly country that Abraham wanted and sought but never entered into because he could not until the sacrifice was given. You have entered into the country. You have actually come to Mount Zion, not one day when you die. You have now come to Mount Zion, the scripture says. You are in the country. You're in the realm. The kingdom is within you, and you are in the kingdom. That's why you you don't see a single apostle ever tell a believer in the writings of the apostles, the apostles never tell the Christians to seek first the kingdom of heaven. You never, that's not a word to you. That's a word to me when I was an unbeliever. That's a word to the unbelievers. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all else shall be added to you. You did do that. You now have that. You don't keep seeking what you have. You don't keep seeking his righteousness. You have it. You don't keep seeking his kingdom. You have it. You never hear the apostles in their letters tell the believers to seek first the kingdom. No. They say, see the kingdom. You're in it. See? It's awesome. Now, to the unbeliever, yes. We tell the unbeliever, look, this is the key. Seek first this other realm and his righteousness, not your own. Seek first this other reality. And his righteousness and not your own. Seek first that in everything you desire. All you're worried about. All that the Gentiles are worried about. Food and shelter and clothing and provision. All things shall be added to you. Awesome. 
And I, I'm a living testimony of that. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm not, this is not theory. I mean, I'm not, this is not theory. I'm living it. I have for over 20-something years. And it gets better and better. I got burned out in religion. I got burned out and it got worse and worse. When you, when you have a mixture of law and grace, it gets worse and worse. You get burned out. You know, you can't, you can't do enough. You can't earn enough. You try to please God and you never feel like you can never be good enough, never, never accepted enough. You, can, you try to do, you know, what the preachers tell you to do or the churches or whatever, but you never seem like you're measuring up. I mean, I used to wake up with this hazy guilt feeling every morning like I wasn't doing enough. Every time I had the bread and the wine, I would think, oh, gosh, I, I, I'm so unworthy to take the covenant meal, you know. And every time I would do something good, I would start to pat myself on the back, and then I would say, oh, that's pride. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation. You're either in the dumps because you're not doing it, or you're prideful, and then you get convicted, or not, not convicted, but, well, convicted by the, the devil, condemned, because you, you did something good. It's horrible way to live. Jesus said, I am come not to look to you to fix yourself. I'm not looking to you to do anything for me. I need nothing. I am coming to you to invite you to a party. To a celebration. To a marriage feast. You have an invitation to come to a party. Because God is going to do something that's going to just boggle the minds. In fact, my very first miracle is going to be turning water into wine at a wedding. My very first one to celebrate what I'm about to do. And that's going to hair lip the legalist, and I don't care. (laughs) See? Oh, he's a wine bibber, a gluttonous man. He loves parties. He eats too much at feasts. He's a drinker. He's a wine drinker. How can he be from God? And Jesus said, John the Baptist comes neither eating or drinking. He was, he was out in the desert and didn't drink any wine, didn't eat any food except for locusts. And you said, he's not from God. I come to you eating and drinking and in the midst of people and sitting with sinners and eating with sinners. And you say, I'm not from God. It's not the messenger. It's the message. He said, you don't want to hear God's message. And so they find fault in the messenger. I tell you, Jesus, Jesus was a lot of fun to be around. He was. He loved feasts. He loved to be with people. He loved having wine at a wedding. I mean, it, it, and people have the, the gall to argue that he didn't make alcoholic wine at the wedding. Come on. First of all, at a wedding, they're not going to make, they're not going to serve grape juice at a wedding, right? So when Jesus has to replenish the wine that ran out, is he going to switch the wine to grape juice? No. He, he'll give them more of the same, right? And even better because the head waiter of the wedding, who's in charge of weddings and who knows good wine, says, wait a minute, where'd you get this? Most people serve the best wine first. And after people are a little tipsy, they don't, under, they don't really appreciate the second wine that comes in. And so they give the poorer wine last. But you... I've saved the best wine for last. I'm the head waiter. I know this stuff. This is good stuff. Where'd you get this? See? And it's not that Jesus was promoting getting drunk and all that. I'm not saying that. No one is saying that. But I'm telling you, 
He loved to party with people. He loved the feast. He loved for kids to crawl all over him. The disciples said, no, no, don't, that's not, don't do that. Kids, they rebuked the kids for climbing all over. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. For such is the kingdom of heaven. Allow them to come to me. See? He was a wild man in the eyes of the legalist, but in the eyes of his papa, in the eyes of the father, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He'd walk through the grain fields and the law was you can't eat on the Sabbath or do stuff on the Sabbath. And his disciples were eating the corn because they were hungry and they were criti- he was criticized by the Pharisees because they're doing work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, have you not read when David and his men were hungry and they would go into the temple and they would take the priest, that w- the bread that was only for the priest and eat the bread from the temple that were, uh, was only for the priest because David saw beyond rules and laws, he saw God, he knew God. He knew God wanted his men to have bread he said, have you not read that? It's hidden there because, it's, because in the temple, they were blameless. In the temple, you're blameless. And I tell you, someone greater than the temple is among you, he said. I'm among you. I tell you, there's a freedom, there's a liberty in this realm. There is no fear in this realm. There is no fear. Perfect love, unconditional love has cast out all fear. There is no fear in this realm. We have not come to the mountain that can be touched, full of fear and quaking as Moses, even Moses quaked with this awesome presence of God because of the separation between God and man, because of flesh and spirit, because of this unbelievable realm that opened up on top of Sinai. But you, you have been made like unto him as he is. So are you in this world. He has created you again anew. He has joined himself to you. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. You are his bride that he cherishes and nourishes. He is your life. Union has come. And so we have come to this Zion, this other realm, the city that's full of joy and music and reality. And that, saints, is within us. It's within us. And we get discouraged, you know, because of what we see with our eyes. But the Lord says, Paul says, the Lord says through Paul, look not on the, on the seen, but look at the unseen. We can live every day in a reality that no matter how we're doing, whether we're doing good or doing bad, he's always with us. The disciples had that same relationship with him. They were messing up all around him. He never left them because of their sin. That was the point. I mean, the whole point he was trying to communicate was that I'm still here. I'm still here. But I just sinned. I know. I'm still here. A new covenant is coming. A new thing is coming. In this new covenant, I'll remember your sins no more. How can God do that? How can God be just and yet the justifier of the ungodly? How can he do that? Because the son has come. God has come as prophesied. A lamb slain before the foundation of the world to remove all sin. Imagine this. Imagine living your entire life on earth with your sins never being counted by God again, ever, ever, ever. That's one of the realities in this realm. Imagine living the rest of your life on earth where God is no longer counting your sins against you as you walk with him and learn about him and learn how to live life and learn how to walk with him and learn you know how to love like him and you, we all stumble in many ways but imagine living your life the rest of your life on earth and never God never counting your sins against you again that's one of the awesome jewels of this reality 
Imagine living the rest of your life on earth and not only him not counting our sins against us, but imagine living the rest of your life on earth and God counting his own righteousness for you. You can't have it both ways. It doesn't fluctuate with the wind. Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and everything that comes from man. No, it's just he who believes on this stone that I lay in place shall not be ashamed. So imagine living the rest of your life with this awesome reality that I'm, I'm walking under a sky and I'm looking up into the sky and I'm standing on earth and I'm as righteous as God, as a gift. For he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness reigns in life by one Christ Jesus, 24-7. That's the reality I'm talking about. That's the reality. That's the, the realm he's brought us into, the kingdom of the beloved son. Imagine this. Imagine walking every day the rest of your life with this, these thoughts coming to you. You're so awesome. You're so awesome. I love you. I see no spot in you. I see no wrinkle in you. My fair one. My beautiful one. Come away. Let's go walk. Let's go run together. And in the morning hours when you're waking up, good morning. I love you. That's God. That's the reality that's within. He's brought us heaven. There is no sin in heaven. There's no fear in heaven. Heaven has come within. In this world, we, have, we shall have tribulation. He said, you'll have trouble. It's a fallen world. They don't know me nor my father. But you're with me now. And I'm with you. And when the Holy Spirit comes... He will show you all those things that belong to me, he said, and now to you. You see? You, you see that, saints? What belongs to him? What belongs to him is his realm. Whatever he has in his realm, his kingdom, it belongs to him. All that belongs to him now belongs to you. Jesus said that. The Spirit will come and show you what belongs to him. What belongs to him? A relationship with Father? A relationship with God? What did he say at the, at the resurrection? The very first words at the tomb. I ascend now to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. One. We shall be one. Where I am, you shall be. My reality is now your reality. My kingdom is your kingdom. My realm is your realm. Let the Holy Spirit renew our minds to this reality. This is what he died for. This is what he was raised for. I ascend now to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. As I live by the Father, so now you shall live by me. This is reality within. The only escape from the flesh, the only escape from sin, the only escape from judgment, the only escape from fear is to die 
and to enter into another reality by resurrection, to be translated, to be judged on a tree 2,000 years ago for all your sins, for all time. The great mystery of our own death in Him. Know you not, you've already died. Raised in Him. Joined to Him. As Him. As He is, so are we. In this world. Not after we die. Not after the body dies. The body's nothing. The flesh profits nothing. It's nothing. God's not waiting for the body to die. He's not waiting for the body to die. For you to enjoy the kingdom He's brought. It's the Spirit coming. Not the body dying. It's the Spirit coming that brings us to this reality. That we might live in Him. Every day. For we are his witnesses now of this reality. Witnesses of the kingdom, of this kingdom, of this realm, of this reality. C.S. Lewis saw this. C.S. Lewis saw this, this parallel universe. And in the Chronicles of Narnia, he talked about, you know, the, the whole premise of the Chronicles of Narnia is that there's a parallel reality going on. And they went through the door, the, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, went through the wardrobe, and went through a door to another reality. Listen, C.S. Lewis saw awesome things and he tried to communicate it in a fun way so that kids could get it and adults could get it. Much like Revelation, it's, it's communicated in a way that's hidden, but he saw things. I love the lion and the witch in the wardrobe. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest theologians of our world ever. At the very end of that movie, he's, they ask about him, have you ever gone through the door? He says something like, I love his... The way he responded, it was like, I'll tell you that story one day. Once a king in Narnia, always a king in Narnia. J.R.R. Tolkien was one of C.S. Lewis's best buddies. They used to write together. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings. Same thing. He saw the same truth. Remember when, the, when, when Frodo would put the ring on? He would, be dis, he would disappear to this world. And reappear in that world, in that realm. And that realm saw him when he put the ring. The ring is speaks of authority. J.R.R. Tolkien saw this, this parallel universe that was invisible. And I thought it was neat the way Tolkien did it because it showed that he actually became invisible to this world. Invisible to the other world. You ever wonder how Jesus could, Jesus could walk through the crowds and just disappear? And just, they were about to throw him off the cliff and the scripture says somehow he just got through the crowd and nobody saw him. What happened to him? Put the ring on. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I'm telling you. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he was up there praying, and that which was within him came out. He says, You're going to see what's inside of me with power. You three, John, James, Peter, come. You're going to see what's inside of me. And they went up to the mountain, and he began to pray. And the realm that was inside of him came out. They said, the scripture says his clothes became so white from the light coming from within his body that it was like no other white they'd ever seen. And then suddenly two men appeared. Where'd they come from? Moses, Elijah. And he was talking with them about his soon exodus from Jerusalem, his soon leaving. Because in his leaving, he would accomplish all this for us. Then the light went back. Peter, on the roof of his house, 
would pray. And he said it was like a trance. I got into it almost like a trance. And I saw, I saw a great white sheet coming down and unclean animals. God saying, clean and eat, kill and eat. For what I have cleansed, no longer call unholy. And Peter got the revelation that, oh my God, God has cleansed the Gentiles, the world, everybody. What God has cleansed, no longer call unholy. Something awesome has come to us. Jesus said, go and tell the people, go and forgive sins and heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of heaven has come close to them today. Heaven has come close. The kingdom has manifest in power to show people the invisible reality. That's why he said they couldn't see the invisible reality of this, of this land, this realm. And so they would say, so Jesus is about to, to raise up this person who is lame and, and he says son your sins are forgiven you well, Pharisees hit the wall you know like who is he to forgive sins you can't see the forgiveness of sins but you can see a lame man walk Jesus said this he said tell me which is harder for me to utter with my mouth which is harder for me to say your sins be forgiven or rise up and walk I say, rise up and walk so you can see something. So you'll know the same words that said, for your sins are forgiven, have the same authority as the words that say, rise up and walk. And they backed up. Because they knew if he made that man walk, that he can forgive sins. And he said, rise up. Walk. And he walked. And the buzz. We have never seen things like this. It's a realm. It's a realm. Hebrews is talking about this portal, this way to live every day. And that's what the renewal of the mind is all about, is to, is to allow him to show us his world. The Spirit is given to show us everything that belongs to Him and now to us because we are in Him. He has brought us to that place. God said of Israel, He said, I, go, I prepare a place for you, Israel. I've got a place prepared by God. I'm going to take you out of Egypt and bring you to a place prepared by God full of milk and honey. That was a picture, just a picture of the real that has come now. That's why he said put blood of the lamb on the doorpost because they were going to go through a door. They were going to go through a sea, a sea of judgment, a picture of baptism or death, a judgment that would cleanse them and take them to another place. And that place, though giants be in the land, the giants are just the flesh and the world and the devil, the things in this world that cause us problems. But it's, the land has been given to you. So he says, go and take it, go enjoy it, go possess it, go enjoy it. The giants will resist you. They'll try to keep you from enjoying what I've given you. But don't be afraid. I fight this battle for you. I'm the one that gave you the land. And sure enough, they didn't even fight. They went around Jericho and, you know, singing songs and the walls fall down. There's going to be resistance because we're in a fallen world, because we have our flesh, because the power of sin is still in our flesh. But that's not who you are. That's not who you are anymore. 
a new creation, a new name, a new reality, a new king. Your king is crazy about you. Your king is crazy about you. Our king is crazy about us. I love that at the end of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, where he says, where Gandalf takes the crown and he goes, now comes the day of the, now comes, how do you say it? Now comes the time of the king. Puts the crown on the rightful king. Now comes the days of the king. We're crowned by him. Now comes the days of the king, my beloved. I live within you. You are where I am. Tell others about this new reality. Don't be afraid of your sins. Don't be afraid, for these sins have not been covered as under the law. They've been taken away. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see, Hebrews, the the richness of this awesome letter. Keys that open a door to another reality. For you tore the veil with your hands, your own hands from top to bottom. The Holy of Holies is now open to all who believe in this Christ, this Savior, this Messiah, who came and gave himself for the sins of the whole world and tasted death for every man and took away the sin of the world for all people, for all time, forever. For you purged us of all our sin and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, beckoning us to come. Come boldly, my beloved, to my throne of grace and find help and mercy in time of need. Everything is yours. Everything is yours. You sought first the kingdom and my righteousness and you found it. You found the pearl of great price. Some of you stumbled over it in in a piece of land and you bought the treasure by buying the land, but you found it. You're in the kingdom now. Don't seek for what you have. You have my righteousness now. Don't seek for what you have. Enjoy. Enjoy. All things are yours. All things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom, to give you this realm to give you what is his and now yours in him. Amen.